pastor here for seven and a half years, and I remember whenever I first came, in fact, whenever I came in view of a call, I said this. I made the statement, if you vote for me, you're voting to relocate, because I believe the land that God provided to this church in the year 2000 was something that he wanted for a vision for this church, that we would move from where we are to where he wants us to be, that he would use that as a platform to give us an expanded ministry that would blow our comprehension out of our mind and just see God do things that would make all the great work that's happened here pale in comparison. I remember kind of having an opportunity to dream and talk and have planning meetings and everybody came. And then in 2019, starting that December, we started a capital campaign called Greater Things. Greater Things was to fund our relocation effort to help us get from here to across George Bush on the corner of George Bush and Main Street across from the high school, and we just had so many meetings, and we talked about the vision, and we gave everybody this challenge. Take the vision, seek the heart of God, and just say, Lord, how do you want me to be involved in your work called Greater Things at First Baptist Rowlett? And we got the opportunity to see God move in ways that have absolutely blown our mind. And today, what we're going to be talking about is two things, really, as we look at not tithes but offerings, is the idea of celebrating the faithfulness of our God and celebrating the generosity of our people. And as you think through that, there were so many visions that were involved in this. Like I remember when the kids gave us their vision of the building. If y'all have forgotten, they're awesome, by the way. They have zip lines in them. They got a, a little golf course and a swimming pool, which I'm down for all that, but my favorite thing and the winner of this is the kid who drew the ice cream shop, like right in the middle of the church. We need that in our life. Can I get an amen? And we talked about other stuff, and adults are boring, so we just came up with great preschool and children and student ministry area and a, a building that would be able to be used multiple times. But what we're talking about today is how God is involved in above and beyond. How God is involved not just in our tithes, but also in our offerings. And as you have your Bible, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Our focal point are verses 1 through 5, but there's a greater context that we need to be aware of to understand the text. So in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing and he's just giving them this word of a testimony of the Macedonians. See, the Macedonians were an example in giving and sacrifice and obedient faithfulness to God in the area of stewardship. And Paul is using the Macedonians as an encouragement and a challenge. And then in chapter 9, he specifically writes a group of believers who had made pledges to support the work of the Lord throughout the world, especially in Jerusalem, where they were suffering for the gospel. And so as you keep that in mind, let's read 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 5. It says this, Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you, to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred most of them up. So he's saying, look, I'm writing this to you, but I want you to know that the example, the Macedonians in giving, and giving above and beyond, and giving generously, your testimony has encouraged them. Your generosity has encouraged the examples of generous living. Verse 3 says, but I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove to be empty in this matter. 
so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So verse four is talking about a pledge that this church had made to support the work, not just in their own area, but around the world, again, specifically in Jerusalem. Paul had gone around and he said, look, brothers and sisters in the world, we have a church that is desperately hurting. They are in need. They've been run out of the city. They are poor and they're destitute. They've been shunned from their jobs, removed from any ability to have income, and the church is hurting. And so he had asked people around the churches in different areas, in Macedonia, in Achaia, in Corinth, all these places, to come and support the work of the Lord that was happening back in Jerusalem. And this church made a huge pledge. They had made this commitment that they were not only going to worry about themselves, but that they would support the work of the Lord throughout the world. And as they gave this pledge, Paul was kind of meeting them right where they are. See, the thing is, they had big mouths, but they hadn't produced anything yet. They had made big pledges, but they haven't given anything yet. Something that we would never have to worry about. Amen? Right? Right? What? Anyway, verse 5 says this. So I thought it necessary because you made pledge, but we hadn't seen you honor that pledge yet. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the gift that you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exactation. Meaning, I want to go ahead and have them kind of encourage you to remind you because you didn't make this pledge, you didn't make this gift, you didn't make this commitment to me, to Paul, to the, to the leader of the church, you didn't even make it to, the, to those who are suffering in Jerusalem. The pledge that you make for God is to God. And so they're back, they're coming to kind of remind you and help you because this is something that you freely offer. This is something that you freely committed to. And as you think through this, there are times in our lives where we need to understand the nature of our pledges and our commitments that we make. We never make a pledge to an individual. I mean, we do, but whenever it's talking about kingdom work, it's not about the pastor. It's not about the evangelist. It's not even about the church. It's about our commitment to God. And this is what Paul was encouraging the, the church to do in this moment. Now, whenever he gets into this, we've got to go back to the context of why we give in the first place. See, we're talking about something totally different than tithes. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I prefer tithes over offerings because tithes are, are clear cut. Tithe simply means 10%. So God has called us to give our first 10% to him and to give that first 10% to the local church. Like that's just scripture. It's clear cut. It's easy. I can give 10% all day, but the offerings is above and beyond giving. The offerings is harder because we've got to pray about it and we've got to hear the heart of God and we've got to follow the, the heart of God in this. And this is where he's doing it. But there's a motivation that Paul wants to make very clear to the church that I think we need to understand as well. And that is the motivation for giving. You see, salvation is the motivation for giving. I don't want you to misunderstand what I mean by that. We don't give so that we can be saved or experience salvation, but because we have received Christ Jesus as our Lord, we give. Because we've experienced the goodness and the fullness of God, we give to others in hopes that they would experience the fullness and goodness of God. He goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 5, and he says this, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, right? The examples of giving. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. This is an amazing testimony about generosity. 
They're poor, they're destitute, they don't have much, but because of their joy of their Lord and their desire to see the gospel furthered, not only in their heart and their life, they give above and beyond, right? They sacrifice willing, willingly as they do this. Uh, generosity on their part, verse three. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Can you imagine a heart that would be like, hey, we don't only want to give, but we're begging you to allow us to give? Because you can kind of see maybe the nature that's going on here of the conversation with Paul. Paul looks at the church at Macedonia. They don't have any money. They don't have any resources. They're poor. They're, they're doing everything they can to survive. And I'm sure Paul is telling them about what's going on in Jerusalem, how other Christians around the world are struggling. And as he's doing this, they're like, hey, we want to give. And Paul's like, no, no, no. Y'all don't have anything to give. And their heart is one that's begging Paul to allow them to be a part in a special offering to give, not just according to their means, but beyond their means. They're begging. You know how many people I was... Uh, having a conversation with where I was like, look, you've already given enough. And people in the church are like, Cole, I'm begging of you, please let me give more. <laughs> like it is so contradictory to what we think or generally experience, but that's what the church at Mass. Can you see why there's such an example for the rest of us to follow? Verse five, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. You want to know how you become a heart that's generous, a person that's generous, a person that's willing to give everything? You give your heart fully to the Lord. And whenever you release control of your life, whenever you release control of your heart, of your possession, everything else follows. They gave themselves fully to God and then to the work of the Lord. Verse 6 says this, accordingly, we urge Titus uh, that as he had started so that he should complete among you this act of grace, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, this act of generosity. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genu genuine. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for his sake became poor, so that you by his poverty, might become rich. See, this is the motivation of generosity. This is the motivation of giving. We do not give to be saved. We give because we have been saved. We don't give so we can be loved by God. Because we are loved by God, we give our everything for God and the cause of God. We don't love so that, give so that we can be accepted by God because we are accepted in our sin. And he saves us just as we are. And he transforms us into righteousness and holiness and usefulness for his name. Because of that, we're like, God, since you did everything for me, I will give you everything I have to offer. And it comes whenever we have a mindset and a heart that says, Lord, I will give myself fully to you. I will give you everything in my life. For instance, you can't give the gospel to other people unless you give God your comfort. Because it's uncomfortable to have a gospel conversation with somebody at work or with your, your neighbor. It can be uncomfortable to invite someone to church to be like, all right, this, this guy or this gal at, at work isn't very nice, but I'm prayed up, and I know they're going to be a jerk about it, but I'm just going to take this, I'm going to lay it on their desk, I'm going to run away. 
Or what we could say is, hey, I don't know what you're doing Easter Sunday, but if you don't have any plans, I just want to invite you to church. You know, if you want to come, great. If not, uh, that's okay too. But unless we give God our everything, starting with our comfort, we're not even going to have the ability to invite someone to church. Or whenever you're thinking about generosity, like, Lord, it's my stuff. Unless we give ourselves fully to God, we're not going to think God owns everything, and I own nothing, and so God, here's my everything for you. But we don't do it so we can be loved, accepted by God. We do it because we are loved and accepted by God. And we must keep eternity in mind when we give. When we give of our tithes and offerings, when we give of our time and our talent, when we give of our comfort, we must think that anyone and have the knowledge twofold that if someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior dies in their sin, separated from God, they will spend eternity separated from him. And because we've been saved, we should know that God can redeem us. He can redeem anyone. So we're motivated by the reality of eternity to share our faith. But there's also a second aspect of this. Whatever we invest in eternity is an investment for eternity. Whatever we do for God in this life with our time, whatever we do for God in this life with our talent, whatever we do for God in this life with our treasure, outlasts our life. It's a kingdom, eternal investment. We don't ever give so God will love us. He loves us so we give. And it's a powerful thought that they were, Paul was reminding them that for our sake, Jesus gave up the riches of heaven so that he could live a perfect life, become a perfect sacrifice, and die on the cross for our sins. That's why we give, because people who don't know Jesus need to know Jesus. And then he says, look, here's the ingredient you need to be a generous person. You need obedience. Obedience is the ingredient. You want to live a faithful life, be obedient to what God's calling you to. You want to live a life that honors God, be obedient to the life that he's calling you to. Going back to our main text, starting in verse 3, it says this, but I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove to be empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we'd be humiliated. You ever brag about somebody and they don't come through? Paul's going around and he's like, you're not going to believe what these people are doing, what they pledged. It's going to be great. It's exciting. He's bragging about it. The the ability of these people to give and want to give is just something that motivated him and it's motivating others. He's saying, y'all got to actually fulfill your commitment, right? To say nothing for being so confident. Verse 5, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers. It's like, I just want to remind you. I just want to encourage you on what your word was. I just want to not shove you or push you or make you feel guilty, but just to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised. I just want to urge you to be faithful to your word so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exactation. That we don't have to pull it from you, take it from you. See, The nature of offerings, which we need to understand, is offerings are contributions beyond our 10%. Offerings are 
contributions beyond our tithe that God calls his followers to give through the local church. So through the local church, God says, here's your tithe. It's given to the storehouse, to the local church, that 10%. It's easy to understand. That's why I love it, because I'm always faithful and obedient. I understand it. 10%, here you go. I move on with my life. It's easy for me to give. Now, I understand that if you've never given, tithing can be really scary, and I want to be sympathetic and empathetic with that. But when it comes to offering, we're all in the same boat. Like we say, hey, when it comes to offering, maybe it's supporting a missionary. Maybe it's supporting a, a work or a compassion child. Maybe it's just giving to somebody in need. Like that's a matter of serious prayer and dedicating ourselves to the will of God. And this is what we need to understand because he says that you gave willingly. Offerings are a response to the Lord's leading. It's not clear cut. Like we might say we're going to have uh, a food drive for the Jesus room, which we've opened by, back up, and we've already served uh, a family, which I love. And some of you might be like, okay, well, I'm going to go get a box of macaroni. And you get to the store, and you're like, I feel like I don't need to get like a box. I need to get a crate of macaroni. I'm not saying anybody needs to do that. That'd be a lot of macaroni. <laughs> and cheese, by the way. Don't, you got to get cheese with it, right? But offerings are a response to the Lord's leading. It's above and beyond that tithe. And it's as the Lord leads you. So you have to seek it in prayer, sometimes in fasting, sometimes in conversation with your spouse or your family. He's saying, I just want to urge you, this is what you said you are going to do. You said you sought the heart of God and this is what he wanted. And so I want you to be faithful to your word. And he's encouraging them. And then he gives them this thing that this tithe is, is not just in obedience, it's above and beyond what you normally give. And this is what an offering is. It is above and beyond that tithe. I love how he kind of clears this up for us. In verse 6, he said, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It means that blessing is tied to your generosity, right? Like we can see it here. That if we hold back or we withhold ourselves from God, like let's say that we're unwilling to, to have the opportunity to, to share or invite someone to church, and we're like, I'm not going to do it. But maybe a coworker or a friend we has invites that person, and you see them come to church, like you're going to be excited, but you miss the blessing of being the one that they sat next to whenever they made a decision to be a part of what, what God's doing, and maybe to receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Like if you're stingy or if you're greedy, then you're going to get kind of a, a smaller reward. Like it's just crystal clear, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Verse 7 is such a gift to us. It says this, and each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is talking about offerings. It's not talking about tithes. Tithes is clear cut in Scripture, 10% to the local church. When it's talking about offerings, this is that God puts on our heart what we should give, and we follow him in obedience. And this is what we need to understand, because going back to Malachi 3, chapter 10, it says the Lord is speaking to his people. He says, you've robbed me in your tithes and your offerings, right? Tithes are the not, well, let me say it this way. Tithes are not the ceiling of giving. They're not the end point. What they really are is the floor. Whenever we say, God, I'm going to trust you with my first 10%. God, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm just going to make it a matter of discipline and faith and trust. Then all of a sudden, we have the opportunity 
to go above and beyond and be a part of other kingdom work. Like when we can release that control to God, we open ourselves up to blessings and being a part of stuff that are beyond our, our comprehension. Let, let, me, let me give you a few examples. Like about what well, was in November, we had Compassionate International come here. And we we're kind of at a point to where we we're like, okay, we're going to be close to whether or not we, we reach our goal with greater things. And as this happened... Uh, I had uh, somebody I was talking to, and they're like, Cole, you don't want to have compassion come because people are going to divert their funds from the church to help these people. I was like, I'm not about that game. We're definitely having them come now. Because what we're doing in this place is not about First Baptist Rowlett. It's about the kingdom of God. I'm never going to be about the name of First Baptist Rowlett. I want to be about the name of, of Jesus Christ, right? And so we had them come. And people made this commitment that every month that they were going to make a pledge and they were going to sponsor a child. You know what I think that does? I think that generosity in small areas allows us to be generous in bigger areas. And we celebrate that so many children, like I think 150 kids got sponsored that weekend. It was amazing, right? We got all but one kid, and I think that kid got adopted later on, uh, sponsored out of the village. And we're going to go there, and we're going to go on mission there, and we're going to love on these kids that we all adopt that know our names and faces. I love it, right? So that's a way that, that we can give above and beyond. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we had Hunter and Selena. I don't know if you know this, our student pastor. You should know that. Hunter's our student pastor. Like, if you don't know that, where have you been? Must be a first-time guest. But anyway, they just recently moved out of an apartment into a house. And Hunter is uh, a very good steward of his resources. Is that a good way to say it, Selena? Very conservative in his spending. <laughs> and you know what happens whenever you move from an apartment into a house and you've got actually rooms and bedrooms to fill? Like there's not exactly a whole lot of funds unless you go in debt. Well, Hunter's committed not to live a life of debt or poverty. Oh, well, I don't know about poverty, but debt anyway. <laughs> And so we found out that there were some things they wanted to buy in the house, and we went to some of the connect groups, and we just kind of quietly said, hey, Hunter and Selena moved into a house. And if you want to help su support them, because I know they want a new sectional, is that right? Uh, they want to buy a new sectional, and they got some other stuff he'd like to buy. If you'd like to contribute to their new house, then just let us know. And we took up just a, just a, a real quiet offering, and here's what I want to say. Uh, congratulations, the church gave you enough money to uh, buy a new sectional. So, isn't that great? Like, we didn't come here and say, if you don't give to help him get a, a new sectional, you're a terrible person. Um, because that's not true. We just say, hey, this is an opportunity. If you want to be a part of it, be a part of it. Another thing that, that we do, we, we're not just about what God's doing here. We want to be about what God's doing around us. So we support the Rockwall Crisis Pregnancy Center. We love the Rockwall Resource Center because it gives young moms who are scared and nervous and maybe they got pregnant on an accident. They don't know what their future holds. We love coming alongside of them and giving our time and our resources and contributing to their work. You want to know why? Because they're doing kingdom work with the most vulnerable of girls on the planet. We're never about just us. We're about others. And offerings are always to be given freely. They are to be given voluntarily. And if we do it right, they are to be done generously. So if you think back three years ago, whenever we did our Greater Things campaign, we had the same kind of talk everywhere. We, we showed you the vision, right? Like I, I made a point to show this ice cream. I don't know if you can say it like on my, not our needs list, but our want list, although maybe it should be moved from a need to a want or a want to a need. Like we showed the picture of the ice cream stand. We got to have that one day. Like I, I think there's agreement in the room. Amen. Like, oh, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. And then we, we gave you the vision for everything. And then we gave you a commitment card. 
And we said this, here's a commitment card. Uh, Whether you give one time or you give over the the next three years, uh, that's up to you. We simply, having seen the vision, want to give this to you, and we want you to go home, and we want you to pray about what God wants you to do, and we want to challenge you to be obedient to the call God places upon your life. And I want you to watch the testimony of three different families, which uh, I think are so powerful and so strong about how God provided and led them during this, this Greater Things campaign. Watch this video, please. My name is Chase Heaps, and this is my wife, Tiffany, and we've been members here since 2018, uh, part of the church a little bit longer than that. Hi, I'm Jim, and this is my wife, Lori. We've been members of the church for about a little over seven years now. I'm Stacy, and this is Tina Gore, and we joined the church uh, approximately a year ago. The, the thing that's the most exciting to me right now is seeing the, the baptismal water stirred just about every week. And that, that's exciting. And it's also exciting to see how much the church ministers to young adults, children, and youth uh, in the community. How much uh, uh, connections y'all have with the high school and the, and the other schools in the area is just really, really neat. The most exciting thing for me is seeing all of the new people that are coming to visit and then joining the church, and then just the, the growth that's happening spiritually and you know, numbers, but mostly spiritually. The fact that we've had a baptism every week um, since the beginning of the year, it's, it's incredible. It's great to see the Spirit moving in the church. We joined, uh, and the Greater Things campaign was kind of starting to get rolling. It was being talked about, and then uh, spring of 2019, I believe, is when it really kicked off for real. As we talked and prayed, about our pledge. Uh, We also knew behind the scenes that a potential job change was coming, uh, which actually was encouraging to me because a job change and it did bring a salary increase and so I thought the potential was there to be able to give more. Sadly, it also required us to move away from Texas. So we moved to Georgia in spring of 2019, um, but felt it important to fulfill our pledge. We gave to Greater Things because we believed in the vision and out of obedience to God as he was telling us to. Just praying, it wasn't an option. You know, it wasn't, you know, like we said, we're not gonna, should we give or not? Well, of course we should. And then we prayed about it and it was a big amount. (laughs) So. It, it was our decision to give. Um, we knew we wanted to be part of this church long term and um, helping the church to grow, so that was important to us. And like Lori said, it was a lot of prayer involved. My number was a whole lot lower than the number that God was giving me, so I prayed some more hoping he would change his mind. <laughs> he didn't. Um, and said, okay. If, if that's what you're telling us is, is our number, that's what we'll give. Well, we've been a part of multiple churches that have building programs, and we saw that uh, 
program called Greater Things that y'all had, it was just natural for us to just be a part of it. It's it's been kind of a part of our uh, of our giving is to include you know an additional uh, amount for for a building program. Over the last three years, um, God has just blessed us financially um, repeatedly at every turn um, with with work things getting back to normal um, quicker than they should have. And we've just had much fewer financial burdens because, you know, those those big things like that $1,500 car repair or the, you know, $2,000 for a new water heater, those things really mess up your budget. Um, so to not have those big expenses really or to have them get taken care of for significantly less has just really been amazing, wonderful. God blessed us through the sacrifice of giving in a moving way, uh, one for sure in that he provided. Uh, his name is Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. And when we're faithful, he is faithful. He sustained us. With it being in the middle of COVID, there was a lot of uncertainty and no one knew what was going to be happening, um, especially early on. And as always, he provided and was faithful to take care of us. The thing I'm looking forward to is just having a larger facility. I mean, we are really packed in here. There's probably some things that we would like to do, but we can't because there's just not enough space. And I think once we get over there, we'll be able to broaden the events that we do have and then bring on some new events. So. I want to be very clear on perspective. A church building does not make a church, right? It's the people and the relationship with the Lord. But just like a carpenter needs a good set of tools or a baker needs a nice kitchen, the facilities that you have can enable and help the ministry be more efficient or perhaps go further. So with the relocation, that's what I'm excited about. Not changing our heart for the Lord, but being, having, having a greater opportunity to use that for him. The thing I'd say to anybody who's considering giving to our relocation is pray about it. Um, what's happening is going to happen, okay? Um, I, I said it before. There's no way this isn't a God thing. It's just the way this all shook out and how it took shape and how this actually happened. Um, it's gonna happen whether they participate or not. The, the question is, do they wanna be left on the sideline? Do they wanna be part of what's happening or do they wanna be a, a, a bystander? Um, for us, it was a pretty easy decision. Well, if you're considering giving to the relocation, I'd say just do it, you know. Uh, there's no reason to, to not to. It, it is the future of our church, and, uh, and um, no better time than now to start doing that. The Israelites were bringing an abundance of stuff and uh, stuff for the tabernacle, and God, or Moses finally had to say, hey, stop. <laughs> it, you know, y'all brought more than enough. And I just kept thinking, wow, wouldn't that be something if Cole has to say, okay, that's enough guys, you can stop now. <laughs> what a testimony that would be 
to the neighborhood around us. For the record, I'm not saying stop just yet. <laughs> For the record. And one of the, the things that we see is that reaping is the, the reward. You know, a lot of times we think it's going to be financial, and uh, it can be. Uh, but I love how in this three-year span, Chase and Tiffany specifically, they moved away. They were faithful to give, and they did it because God led them to. Uh, and then in the third year, like back in December, they moved back, and they get to be a part of today and what God's doing. I think that's so neat. And what we can see throughout Scripture and what we can see in our lives in these testimonies is just the fact that we cannot outgive God. God is a giver and the provider of everything we have. And whenever we offer ourselves to him and we give him everything, it's just amazing how God gives back even more. So the greater things that we want to celebrate today, the, the campaign is the faithfulness of our people. And I just want you to, to kind of have the faithfulness of our God, the generosity of our people. I want you to, to think through a couple of things because when we started this, we said, look, we don't want the building and sticks and bricks to be a distraction from the mission God has called us to. Like, this is a spiritual journey. It's not a financial journey. And there's a couple things that I want to keep, I want to make sure that, you know, we, we measure. And I think the two things I'm most excited about during this time, over the past three years, and keep in mind that it was a pandemic season, like the pandemic has kind of ruined uh, a lot of uh, plans and what we've been thinking and doing, but God has been faithful during a pandemic capital <laughs> campaign, like who would ever thought, thought that was coming? We've had 242 people representing 163 families jo join our church in the past three years during capital campaign, right? That's pretty cool, right? And during that time, when we've been shut down and people have been coming sporadic and they've been kind of a little skittish and nervous about coming back to church, we've seen 111 baptisms in the past three years, which I just think speaks such volumes of God's goodness and faithfulness. When it comes to the actual capital campaign, there's some other things that I'm sure we want to know about. 172 families made pledges. Of the 172 families that made pledges, 103 families have completely fulfilled their pledges, which I think is amazing. We have 25 families that have produced or I guess have given more than 75% of their pledges, which I think is great. We've got 33 that have partially fulfilled, maybe 50% or under, and then we've got 11 of those families who have made very little progress in it. But overall, just think about this, 100 and 17 families gave without ever making a pledge. Isn't that incredible that people maybe that came late and those 163 families, some of them said, you know what, I see what God's doing here. I want to be a part of that, 117. That means that 289 families gave to greater things, which is the majority, a significant majority of our active families within the church. And something else I think is great, of the 103 families that fulfilled their pledge, 71 gave above and beyond their pledge. And so I love that. I think it's fun. Now, the numbers here are something that I, I want to make sure everybody's clear. The goal whenever we did Greater Things was that we would raise $2 million. Um, how many of y'all have been a part of maybe leading a capital campaign? Anybody ever done this before? Okay, well, let me tell you what happens if you're leading this thing. You take it personal, and you think a lot of times maybe a responsibility you shouldn't carry on your shoulders, a responsibility that maybe I shouldn't bear on my own. But the reality is this. 
I remember thinking, Lord, if we don't hit $2 million, I don't like what that says about my leadership. Am I getting it right? Am I hearing from you right? Because $2 million was a goal. Where not only did we hit $2 million, $2,238,565.68 was pledged to greater things. Isn't that incredible? And during a pandemic year, we can make excuses. Our pandemic season, right? Like, we didn't get new members the way we could. The economy is uncertain as it's ever been in the history of our country. Like, people don't know what's going to happen tomorrow with their jobs. And so I could understand why people may not give. Are you ready for it? We're going to roll the drums. I think okay, it got me. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready at all. I don't like that's on video. But uh, the amount received was this, 2252042 which means that we overdid it or we took more than $13,000 over our complete capital campaign, right? Here's what we know. Here's what we know with the confetti cannons. Where God leads his people, God is faithful to provide for his people. Where he leads, he provides. Let me tell you what this means numerically when it comes to dollars and cents for our church. Right now in our relocation Budget. We have $3,562,627.65. Where God leads, he is faithful to provide. Now, I know we're talking about our relocation, but I want you to understand this. Whenever you're thinking about the person you need to invite to come worship with you in Easter in two weeks, when God puts somebody on your heart to invite them to church, God will provide an opportunity for you to do so. He will give you an opportunity to create that opportunity to invite them. When God calls you to give and support, whether it's a pregnancy center or the relocation or anything else, where he leads you, he will be faithful to provide. And what we do or what we see in greater things is that God is going to continue to provide for our church. But the question that a lot of us might have if we gave to this is what do we, what do, we do now? Now that the official three years is over, well, what I would do is I would urge those of you who made a pledge, and maybe you're close, maybe you're not close, I would, I would just urge you uh, to continue giving until you meet that pledge. I don't want you to feel bad about it. I don't want you to feel guilty. Uh, maybe God's going to provide in four years what you thought it was going to be three years. Who knows? Maybe some of you uh, are, are like me, right? Um, and I'm grateful that God created an opportunity for us to fulfill our pledge. But I'm going to tell you this, when we met our pledge, we didn't stop giving. We're going to continue to give to support this because we still believe in the relocation. But at the end of the day, there's only really two things that I want you to do whenever you think about greater things or any offering, giving above and beyond your tithe. This is the first thing. Number one, ask God what to do. In any opportunity where there's an opportunity or a chance to support the work of the Lord beyond, above and beyond your tithes and offering, just ask God, God, how do you want me to be involved? Do you want me to be involved with this? And be faithful to follow his lead. The second thing I would say in this, and well, keep in mind this, what we saw in 2 Corinthians 9, this, for each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not out of gift, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let's talk about offer. Do so with joy. So, so here's the second part. Don't miss the blessing of being generous. Don't miss the blessing of being generous. 